evening, incredible listeners, those of you who are still around after our, um, uh, it's been about a month of a hiatus. Um, yes, thank you to any of those who uh, are still listening, still getting the notifications for episode drops. Uh, that's obviously how you've heard about this one. Uh, I am currently, uh, to give you an update, Deciding not to do this episode completely sober. Um, I am now, however, uh, but currently I am rolling what the youth call a joint. Uh, Those of you who don't know what a joint is, it is a marijuana cigarette. So uh, bear with me. I did decide to start this recording while I did it um, just to add, I don't know, a little bit extra flair. Um, some of you are probably wondering why, why would you decide to do this episode not sober? Or, uh, maybe those with, uh, a more logical mind are wondering why would you do an episode fucked up? Well, it's simple. We are past the holiday peak of the, uh, of the year, of the past year now, and I think everyone experiences just a just a tinge of seasonal depression uh, around this time. Um, not just because the clouds are gray, the sky is dark most of the time, uh, and not because traffic and the snow and the weather and the cold is just miserable. Your face hurts, your skin hurts whenever you walk outside. Uh, you think to yourself. Uh, Every single day when you go to walk your dog in the morning, wow, I wish I could just lay down and let the cold earth take me. Well, I'm here to say that is why I will not be doing an episode completely sober. I I don't think I've done an episode truly sober, actually, yet. Uh, Except for maybe the car episodes, for legal purposes. I've definitely done those sober, uh, for sure. So... Don't look into that, but, uh, yeah, I've decided, I've decided to just curb my seasonal depression with drugs and reckless behavior, but a kind of, uh, responsible reckless behavior, if you will. Um, that brings me to new year's. That brings me to the holidays, really. Um, seasonal depression. It's not just caused by everything I've listed. Of course, there's the fact that you've had to see family more than likely, uh, during the, during this season. And, uh, if you're lucky, maybe you lost a family member, you know, um, just, just one less, one less to worry about. Um, (laughs) there's going to be, there's going to be a few people I know that aren't going to like that one, uh, personally, but, uh, that's what we're here for folks. We're here for, Comedy. We're here for laughs, distractions from uh, everyday life. As you listen to this, you probably aren't paying too much attention. If you are, uh, your existence is more boring than I could probably imagine. But I appreciate it nonetheless. I'm not. I'm not trying to slight you at all by saying that. I do think that. Uh, I do think that we have something going here uh, that's going well. Uh, we are. We are. I am excited for potential opportunities here in the future to move into a bigger space. We're going to get a studio actually going for, for the incredible podcast and we may figure out video. I may procrastinate still on it. I, I don't know whether I care enough to do video. Um, I'm not much to look at anyway, and I don't have much to show you, uh, that can't be done in a picture, uh, that you could find on Instagram or Twitter at incredible gauge. Um, but yeah, there's really nothing more that I want you people to see. This is how, this is how we maintain incredibility. And that's, that's one of my resolutions for the new year is to just be more, be more incredible. Uh, don't let people trust shit. You have to say, uh, don't let the, don't let any information leave your mouth, uh, that can be cited and sourced because then it's not incredible. Is it? If you, uh, we're, we're, we're brightening people's days up with incredible information. I, I have, I have a recording. I, I was able to sit with an incredible guest, um, 
over Christmas, actually. It has been a month. We're going to be jumping back. New Year's isn't the only one taking the uh, taking the spotlight here. I did get to sit down on Christmas Day um, with a, with an incredible an incredible colleague slash peer slash uh, ex cohort slash friend slash possible pedophile, and we were able to discuss some certain things. Um, that, that recording will be released as soon as I get good at editing, uh, which I I think I've said in the past to several recordings. He's probably, they, sorry, they, not he, it's a she that identifies as a he, maybe, you don't know. It's incredible. They're incredible. It's an incredible guest. Um, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll be listening to this episode and wondering like where the fuck they're at and to them if you are listening uh it's coming soon like i said i just need to get better at whatever this is um because what we did is uh this particular incredible individual did come down with covid and they were stranded in uh they not their home state but their current home state and so uh to brighten their spirits on christmas day i gave them a call through skype it only dropped Twice, I think. Twice uh, we had dropped calls through Skype. Um, but yeah, it was it was nice to nice to catch up. Uh, I got about thirty five minutes of candid recording that, where they didn't know they were being recorded or that we had started recording, and uh, um, I got them to open up, which was a lot of fun for me because I knew that once I tell whoever I'm talking to that we're recording. Uh, it's more than likely going to go to shit because they're going to try and impress uh, you, the audience. And that's just not something I go for. So we got to do that over Christmas. But um, yeah, moving forward, had a four-day work week, which, I mean, is what it is. It's not what I want to be doing, but uh, it's what funds the funds the free time to come talk to you fine people. And so... That brings us that brings us up to New Year's. The I want to say it's often overlooked. It's overshadowed by Christmas, but Christmas is over pretty quick, and people get over it fast before they jump right into the antics and festivities of New Year's, which is just getting blackout fucking drunk or just overall uh, majorly fucked up. So that's something I tried to encapsulate this year. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my first New Year's uh, off probation, which was last year, was um, dismal because of COVID. And so I got to do nothing. Um, and then the the three or four years before that even, um, I was I was on probation for a felony that I committed at Oakland University. We'll get into more of that at another juncture in time, but the point being, I went into this New Year's excited uh, by what I had started this year, excited by everything I've done, and that led us us to some calculated recklessness. Um, Calculated recklessness for sure, And the reason I call it calculated recklessness is everything I did, I had a reason for doing and everything I did, I did in the right way. Um, so yeah, Thursday night, I began my four day weekend of, uh, of new year's, new year's festivities. And I, I just, I went out, went in with a bang. I, Took 1.7 grams of psilocybin magic mushrooms uh, in a cho- in the chocolate bar formation. Fantastic! Uh, uh, it, it was really an unreal experience. Um, it was remarkable, and uh, by that I mean I'm able to make remarks about the experience. And the remarks are: uh, it was mind opening. If you could ever do mushrooms, do them. 
responsibly and uh, or irresponsibly. I don't care. You make the news if you do it uh, in a bad way. So uh, I'll hear about it if you do it incorrectly. And a lot of times that's that's the entertainment. So by all means, like responsibly, irresponsibly, I don't care. Do it. Do them however you'd like. Um, but one thing I tried for the first time Thursday night, uh, and it was cocaine. Now, several of you are listening to this episode and thinking, um, what the hell is he talking about? Yes. Uh, some of you are hearing for the first time, possibly, uh, it's definitely the first time I've said it. Um, I, I, I dabbled, I dabbled a bit with the, um, the the powder that uh, makes you sneeze louder, if you will, and have to say, uh, I'm not an addict. I didn't suck a dick for it. If that makes people feel any better, um, but I did. I did get to do it the right way. I did it through a $100 bill, which. Um, if you're not familiar with with sort of the scene, there's really no other way to do it. Um, if you do it with any smaller bill, uh, you you feel like a cheaper, cheaper whore. So you just avoid that altogether because it, you basically have something worth less penetrating an orifice in your body. And so you might as well let it be Ben Franklin, right, on the $100 bill which is the biggest bill we can have. Like you can't, unless you took like a million dollar check and rolled it up, there's really nothing more you could do to make it worth your while. Uh, so you become, you become sort of um, a nasal prostitute for, for the time being, of course. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of funny how, how it imitates uh, a penis as well. The hundred dollar bill rolled up because, if you were to break it down to the exact uh, description of what's happening, you are snorting white powder through a tube. And if you were to take your nose out of the equation and just apply it to the fact that it is white powder shooting out of the other end of a long white tube, uh, I think we can all agree that my comparison to being a nasal prostitute and doing coke uh, be kind of the same. Like you're dealing with penis-like objects. Uh and so I'm kind of now I'm I'm kind of just making coke sound gay to anyone who does it now, um, especially if you use anything less than a one hundred dollar bill. Um, that's on you. That's your call. If you're using anything less than a hundred, it's probably because you don't have a hundred. But it's more likely the fact that you are scrounging up singles uh, sitting at a corner down on Eight Mile um, to get your next small fix. So you have, you have to resort to those $1 bills. Sometimes you get a $2 bill. That's a, a novelty. It's not, it's not a hundred dollar bill. It's still only worth $2, but it's, it's a novelty. You get like bon like bonus points, I guess, for that, if you'd like. Uh, but yeah, I really, I really decided to cap off the new year or the old year, the right way. 2021, it was significant for some people, fairly insignificant for me. Um, as far as years go that I've had. Um, but yeah, we, we decided, we decided that was the way to go for Thursday night. And that got us right into Friday. And let me just say, for those of you that are sitting here petrified or terrified of my decision-making so far, it kept me up. I'll tell you about my experience. I did, a, uh, five small ish lines. They weren't, they weren't, giant they didn't look like caterpillars or anything but they were they were they, they were lines you know and um five of those i didn't feel really anything except the fact that i was awake uh it was like i had just drank my morning coffee and i was operating at that level my eyes weren't droopy i wasn't tired now that doesn't sound major or severe but this was around 3 30 or 4 in the morning where I was still experiencing this. So I should have been asleep. So you could say I felt that, but as far as just that wolf of wall street, pure raw energy of let's go fuck some shit up and let's just tear someone's face off. I didn't experience that. Unfortunately, because I kind of, I kind of want to kill someone while raged out on Coke. I, I, 
that would be the only way I did it. I understand I'd be put away. I understand that that's not a good thing. But if I was going to do it, I think being raged out on coke and just being red in the face and just kind of like imagine Chris Farley at his peak character for uh, the fat man in the little jacket. Just that pure amount of just rage and red in the face anger he was able to uh, achieve. I think that would be the mental zone I'd like to be in to kill someone. So uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm still searching for whatever that is. And I guess now I should try some angel dust or some bath salts if I can get my hand on them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, now I'm, I'm still searching for the drug that I'd like to kill someone on. But cocaine, I'd say I, if if able to be done responsibly, it, it's a good it's a good upper it's it keeps you going through the day i could definitely see myself working on it i could definitely see myself functioning uh on a phone or in a conversation it didn't affect me to the point where uh i was going to start licking someone's hand or like biting their fingers it was just i was awake i was operational at four o'clock in the morning so it made a lot of sense to me why why that was such a popular drug in the 80s and 70s and such uh, especially to keep you going in those disco clubs keep you dancing and what I was going to say about my decision making for those of you that might be a little concerned is even though I was awake at 4 30 in the morning and even though I stayed up until 5 or 5 30 and uh uh went out had plans the next morning I woke up at 9 5 without alarms unimpeded uh unassisted and I got up, blinked my eyes a couple times, cleared my nose, and took my dog on a walk, fed her, and then I went out to breakfast and operated the rest of the day. I think I did fit in a nap somewhere in the afternoon, but I operated the rest of the day. And that just, I think, outlines the kind of calculated recklessness that uh, I participate in. Um. I think it's important to act reckless, but you need to have a plan. Um, I did do it safely. I did it um, with friends in a close environment. And I think uh, it the only way it could have been better is uh, if I was in behind a Little Caesars down in Detroit behind a dumpster. I I really I really think that's the only way that experience could have been could have been better maybe not better but definitely definitely different uh, and given me way more of an idea of what it does to you because I, I was in I was in close proximity with uh, people that I knew wouldn't affect me at all um, if anything would just ensure that I had a good time doing whatever it is we were doing and I. I I don't think you want that on cocaine. I think when you do coke, you should be around complete strangers in a foreign environment that um, could possibly trigger some sort of fight or flight uh, thought process that could cause you to make destructive decisions and do uh, reckless uh, physical acts. And I really, I really do think that um, I would definitely not do it in the safety of my home for the first time. Uh, I would I would go seek out just the strangest place that you could think of to try a new drug, especially especially if you don't do drugs. I if you've never done so much as uh, uh, well, if you never smoked weed, I won't say you've done weed. That's uh, that's just asking to be boomer called. Um, if you've ever if you've never smoked even so much as smoked weed or tried a cigarette. I or maybe you haven't even touched a drop of alcohol either, you goddamn saint. Maybe you need to go get just just a gram, a little vial, just a small vial of cocaine. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. If you're in the middle of nowhere, I'd say go to the closest supermarket or convenience store. Convenience store. That's the way to go. Go to the closest convenience store, right? And go behind it. Uh, more than likely there will be shady characters already there. Um, if not, acquire some. 
go looking because they're they're always around shady characters especially at night they're always around so uh not hard to track some down to assist you in your uh escapade here but i'd say go to a strange well some some place that makes you uncomfortable sober some place that makes you feel um like maybe cornered trapped uh, just scared in general, and then do cocaine. I think that should be the experience you should have. Just immerse yourself, throw yourself into what the worst possible situation could be, and then you know how you react. And um, some people, you know, they're not going to do well. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying that I give yourself a chance. You never know what you're capable of. And I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and think that they're more capable of something than they are not capable of. So uh, please, yeah, track down some coke. If you're in the city, easy place to find someone, some place that scares you. Just go to any Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Terrified. If you're white, if you're black, go to like uh, any place that has the hills of or something of the hills and uh you'll be equally as terrified so go and just do a swap there maybe you guys can swap coke i'm not saying who's selling it but maybe you could swap coke on the way there um i don't know if why you'd swap coke though if you both had coke you wouldn't be swapping it you would be picking up from someone someone would be splitting what they have and giving it to the other guy if you were to pass each other going to these respective locations uh but i'm also implying that one of them's black and one of them's white what if both of them are white I don't, I really don't know. All I'm saying, make yourself uncomfortable. Go do something that, uh, that scares you and then try cocaine for the first time. Uh, you'll be fine. I was fine. It's all good. Um, so I, I have, I'll say I have finished rolling the joint, uh, here. Just a little filler story about a hard drug just to show you how harmless, uh, just, just a little, just a little guy is a little a little a little marijuana cigarette um one of the ideas for the name of the podcast uh was going to be weed related and it was going to be weed related in the fact that my name uh gauge is actually an old slang term i believe it's british uh no I, not that i believe it is it is a british slang term uh for marijuana and uh, I was I was trying to think of names based around that because I knew I would be smoking most of the time. But uh, you you people were lucky enough for me to land on Incredible, which I know is why you're all here, is because you love the premise, you love the idea, um, even though it's inconsistent, but that's what makes it incredible. You just never have any idea what is going to happen. So if you'll excuse me for just just a slight moment, I'm going to light this. Uh, I mean, you should be able to hear it. I hope you're able to hear it because I want you to hear it. It's, this is uh, this is what we do here on the Incredible Podcast Program. And uh, it's what we've done every time. I don't think I've made it known, but I think there were definitely moments where you could hear um, the fact that I, I was smoking out of something. I was definitely smoking out of something, smoking something. So, uh, But it wasn't crack every time. It was, it was, okay, it wasn't crack every time. We'll leave it at that. So, uh, and without further ado. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have a successful lighting of the joint. And not many of you have a backstory on on me as the operator of this program. You've heard me talk about some pretty ridiculous, some pretty incredible things. But as of uh, tonight, I have uh, I've managed to mention that I did serve sometime on probation and I think I may have mentioned it was a felony but uh let's go let's go ahead and give you give you fine fine listeners as a as a welcome back as a charge into the new year we've I've given you some fluff I've given you some fluff to listen to 
over the first uh, the first maybe seven months of the program. But I'm 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 locking it down here. This is going to be the episode. Hey, we're going to kick off the year with this, ladies and gentlemen, and they's and uh, hopefully children. I hope children are listening to this. Parents, if you have children uh, under the age of eight that um, need to be educated on some more street smart level things, by all means, let them listen to the podcast. I mark it explicit just so people don't get after me for um, like incorrectly labeling it when I do say a naughty word, but know that I, I have no problem with children listening to it. I will never turn a child away from listening to me. Uh, I think that's the parent's job. I think it's the parent's job to turn them away from me. I'm going to speak recklessly, uh, recklessly, flawlessly, all of it. So a little bit about me, your host, just to have a better idea of who you're listening to, who you're, who you're a fan of. Uh, Let's start from the fact that I was originally from Ohio, grew up most of my life in Fort Recovery, Ohio, the great village of Fort Recovery, Ohio. And it is a village technically because it's not big enough for anything else. Uh, also, technically, um, it is big enough, however, for a newly added Dollar General, which I know the community was psyched about. Uh, and I know the community was psyched about it because my parents are a member of that community and they were pretty fucking psyched about the dollar general. So, uh, so yeah, big enough for a dollar general, but it's still a village. Let's just keep that clear. Grew up there. Um, I decided to go to Kent state university (coughs) to pursue a degree. (coughs) Excuse me. To pursue a degree. And after my first year at Kent State University, the professor I was studying with at Kent State got a got a better position at a other known educational facility called Oakland University. Now, when someone from Ohio hears that their professor is transferring to Oakland University to teach. Uh, the only reason they were at that school in the first place. You think, oh, I will transfer too because there's deals for me if I if I do. Uh, because he acknowledged that this was an inconvenience. And so, as a kid from Ohio, I think Oakland University, California, here I come. I don't care if it's Oakland. That just puts me that much closer to where I want like to be and what I want to be around. I'll t- I can tolerate Oakland for a little while. Well, when you look up Oakland University, it doesn't immediately tell you that it's not in Oakland, California, which I don't appreciate. I don't appreciate. It's not like you have to advertise it, but you have to know that there's going to be a certain idea from someone who's out of state, who's not familiar with the local colleges, uh, that Oakland University uh, is not always going to trigger Oakland County, Michigan in, in, uh, a young, a young mind, a 19 or 18 year old mind, uh, is not, it's not going to trigger, trigger that, uh, thought. And so I'm browsing Oakland university's website, looking, not, not even looking for the location, but noticing that it's not there, noticing that it's not actively, Oh, welcome to Oakland's in located in sunny Oakland, California. You'd think that they would kind of relish the fact that they were in California. They're a California university for God's sake. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the program I'll be studying and, and we get down to the bottom left, bottom left, Bottom left-hand corner of one of the uh, boxes on the website. And in this box, you, you you see Rochester in the address. You see the address of, I, I believe it's maybe their, maybe their billing department or their piece of shit uh, financial aid office. Whatever it was, you notice and you, you see, you go through, you read the address. 581 West University Drive. 
Rochester. Now, this all happened in a split second. But when you see Rochester, what do many of you think of? You at least think Rochester, New York. So you think, oh, well, at least at least I'm still going further. It's just the other way. But I'm from Ohio. Anywhere is better. I don't care. So I go about thinking that I am now transferring to a school in Rochester, New York called Oakland University for whatever the fucking reason. And that was this was a split second thought, because obviously the next thing you see is M I. Rochester, Michigan. Now, this took me back. I was shocked. I was a little bit appalled. That a place that used gold and black colors. Could call themselves Oakland University. And not kind of like hammer in the fact that it's not only not in California where you would think Oakland University would be. Not that it would get a lot of use, but it was still California. I mean, it is Oakland. Like, what are the odds they do? That's actually, I mean, it's a little more unbelievable if you really think about it. But right off the cuff, no one thinks, like everyone. Oh, you say Oakland. You you think of Oakland out in California. That's just all you think. I'm, just, I'm not saying that it would be a better university. Let's be clear. It wouldn't be. But, like, uh, people just think, people just think about those sort of things. So Rochester, Michigan, this, this led to a Google maps search. I hop right over, open a new tab, Google maps. And I look and it puts me right North of Detroit. I could justify Detroit. I thought, ah, like kind of cool. You know, it's not Oakland, California. It's not Rochester, New York. But if I could be near Detroit, I was willing to willing to settle because this was obviously a suburb. It was obviously a, a, a suburban neighborhood, especially a place like Rochester. Look at any place that mimics a more well-known name of that city. Rochester, Michigan is just trying trying to get that sort of Rochester, New York feel. Rochester is now owned that name is now owned by Rochester, New York and Rochester, Michigan and any other Rochester's in the United States, Rochester, Minneapolis. I don't know. Any other Rochester is now just a bastardization of the one in New York. So that's essentially what they've done. With Oakland, with Oakland University, you've made people think Oakland, California, when in reality, it's 40 minutes north of Detroit. In Michigan. So I was confused, to say the least. I was like, okay, I, 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 had, I, here's, I had already done the paperwork. I already, like, transferred. So I was there, and now I was like, oh, shit. This is nowhere close to even what I thought it was. So I go on a campus tour, and I choose a beautiful sunny spring day. Is what you would think. But as soon as you hit Detroit, a just wall of smog just blankets you, covers you up, and you can't see shit. You can justify it and say, oh, it's lake effect. Oh, it's because we're a peninsula. No, it's because Detroit, the Motor City, has the worst operating fucking vehicles on the road. I-75 looks like if they did a cattle drive with junkyard cars. It's just old Buicks and shitty Chevrolet Luminas with missing hubcaps and donut tires. All fucking around at 85 miles an hour across four lanes. It's pure insanity. So driving through Detroit my first time was mildly terrifying. We get north, 75 opens up, you start to see the green in the trees, you start to see the 
uh, quality of motor vehicles get better uh, all around. Mostly soccer moms, SUVs, you know, the pearl white and your blacked out like Cadillacs, Land Rovers, uh, the like Kia Sorentos for those uh, upper middle class people that can't really afford the Cadillac. So it gets better, I think. Oh, this is in a good part, like a good chunk of Michigan that maybe resembles and has the same beauty as uh, as maybe an Oakland, California campus would. But I'm on a Michigan level. Uh, we get to the campus, and in true Michigan fashion, from the time we drive and go into the library to meet who was going to show us around, the weather changes dramatically. I'm telling you, thunderclouds just thunderclouds and like just a spring rain but enough to where it bothered you to walk in but we were on a campus tour and we were only at the library luckily oakland is a small campus but still i mean come on it was insane we go to get coffee at a coffee shop that uh the the tour guide was going to get us uh, a cup of joe it was closed uh it was closed um and there were no students there, actually. He had forgotten it was spring break. So, like, nothing was functioning. You couldn't see student life happen. You couldn't get into some buildings because students weren't in there. Teachers weren't in there. So you just didn't go in. Um, really, really sort of negative impression right off the bat of Oakland University. I mean, right off the bat was me thinking you were in Oakland, California. Now we're at a level where you're actively trying to make me hate the decision I made. And I should have accepted all this as a sign uh, for things to come looking back. Because uh, another thing I want everyone to understand, this is a reflection for me as well. I'm just kind of I'm just kind of telling the story as I remember it and as I recall. So uh, this is this is just to start us off in 2022, uh, knowing what we're getting ourselves into really diving in to what this program is and uh we'll try and pick up some scragglers along the way because after all that's all we want we want the scragglers we want the we want the ones who are clawing their way through life uh legless right now i want bottom of the barrel like under the barrel the worms that like the shit from the worms that are under barrels in like shipyards and shit I want like the maggots that grow on that shit. That's the kind of audience I'm trying to cultivate here. I want just sick, disgusting human beings that just have no feeling other than contempt for life itself every day when they open their eyes and go approach what they've created for themselves in this vast, meaningless uh, existence. And uh, I want to just thank you all for being here right now. Uh, to experience uh, just one story of, of billions and trillions, really, that has ever been told. But, hey, some of those stories uh, involve buying a microphone and having Internet access. So um, I, I'm sorry if this wastes your time. I'm happy if it like makes your time better because we're all in it together. And uh, this, this is to 2022, and we're going to continue uh, with the story obviously but uh first we, we we need to refuel if you will to uh, to get back to cruising altitude excuse me one moment so i'm in oakland university for the first time it's thunderstorming i've just driven through detroit i'm terrified and we get to Oakland University, thunderstorms, it's a disaster, everything's closed, students are gone, buildings buildings are shut down for the week. Uh, we had just driven four hours, four hours from Kent State University over by Cleveland, Ohio, uh, to visit this, this uh, well, dump truck of a school. And... 
we finished the tour that day. So we're leaving and we go to leave and exit out of the main exit on you to university drive. And that's where I encounter uh, my first experience with a Michigan left turn. And what a Michigan left turn is, is a U-turn done uh, for the flow of traffic. Um, I'm told several states have them. I've seen them, and I think a couple. Uh, Michigan is by far the most prevalent, I think, uh, with these U-turns. But they are built into the medians, and sometimes you have to turn right, take a U-turn to go back left. Uh, for roads or the same thing going really any direction sometimes you just have to that's part of the route there's no avoiding it uh you're you're able to say fuck it mostly at night um if it's a red light but uh yeah other than that it was my first encounter with a michigan u-turn and uh we were trying just to find a bob evans i believe we were finding a Bob Evans because they had unlimited pancakes at the time. So uh, being the, I mean, $5 eaters we were, that was seemed like the logical choice. I remember going through about four like U-turns uh, because traffic was so busy uh, during that time and the weather was horrible. Uh, anyway, just a very, very poor image of Oakland University. All of this should have been a sign to me of... Uh, bad beginnings, you know, I get there my first day of class. We've gone through the summer. I'm moving up there. On the first day of class, or about a few days beforehand, I'm told that they have no student housing left. Like, no room. No room. Like Jesus Christ. Like, for, like, like Mary. There was no room at the inn. For me and uh they put me up in an extended stay america just i mean a block away and um i had a pt cruiser just packed full of stuff because i'd already existed a year in college i lived in a dorm had like the had the actual experience and so this was i mean barbaric to me right and uh I ended up finding an apartment. That's where I had my first roommate, first apartment, stuff like that. Uh, continued with my degree. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, what kind of what kind of degree was I pursuing? That, uh, like, I had this much dedication, like perceived dedication to, right? What what would compel someone to uproot? in such a way to pursue um, it had to have, you'd think it would have had to have been research. You would have thought it would have had to have been um, some groundbreaking discoveries were being made or were on the cusp of being made. Uh, I wish that was accurate, but it's not. I was studying to be um, good at the saxophone. Yeah, I studied like yeah, saxophone in uh in college. That was my main focus and my grades prove it. Like it really was my main focus. I mostly just played um but yeah, yeah, so the saxophone and um continuing this program, obviously the the, the saxophone playing business is not super lucrative uh at the time especially when you're not good. So, you know, you just have to kind of make some decisions every now and again. And some of those decisions um, land you with a criminal record. Now, there's no excuse. There never is. Um, and I'm kind of innocent, I believe, in a way. Um, I, I, was a, uh, I was a victim of the system, you know what I mean? Um, but no. No, seriously. In all seriousness, um, I took a bass clarinet that I was borrowing from the school, and I pawned it at the 
hardcore pawn pawn shop, like the one that's on TV. I think it's called America. Yeah, it's American Jewelry and Loan. Yeah, I did that. I took it to one of those stores and I needed $600. And I thought, okay, easily like, cause the way these people operate, they, they, they give you 50, literally like 50% or less of what it's worth. So they know they can make money on it. So they literally go by what it's going for, like on eBay, I think. So they look this thing up on eBay and they see a number that raises their eyebrows and I start thinking, oh, shit. I mean, could I ask for more than 600? But I was like, no, 600 is just I, my max. That's all I can get with the next check, paycheck. So I asked them for 600. They look up what it's going for on eBay, kind of raise their eyebrow and give me a quick yes. It was a very fast like, yeah, sure. No questions. Just, I mean, I was the fastest I had ever received an envelope full of money, like was with uh, that transaction. I leave the store. Uh, I have the money. I mean, six, seven days, maybe, yes, maybe one week at the most, uh, is the time I, I have before I am contacted at work via text message, um, from the professor that I followed to study with and uh it says you need to turn yourself in or you need to report yourself like you need to like immediately now the the chilling part of that message right is the fact there's no re there's no context they didn't explain why they knew they didn't have to that's really a chill. That's a chilling thing to receive because it's that's an extra layer of knowing you're done. So I read this message and I don't think you've really truly ever experienced true panic um, until you're contacted in that fashion that calmly that uh bluntly uh and I, I knew i think i went home that night and just laid in the dark and ignored calls emails text messages from everyone just like all right this is gonna get figured out but it's it's fucked like we're fucked so I eventually I get up the next day and immediately go talk to a detective. I I go in and like report like just stand there at the at the guy who's at the counter for the police. And I stand there and just I tell him I'm here to see detective so and so to turn myself in. They take me to a room, they depose me, uh get my information and I'm sent on my way. And next thing I know, they call me back. I have to go back and like recuperate all the everything I'd said. So at this point, everything starts to become real. Like I'm I'm getting the mug shot taken at this point. Uh, this front, left, right, um, holding up the little like tag with your name on it and stuff. Uh, my beard, you can look it up. My beard is all scraggly and. Um, just it's like all shifty on one side uh i had hair that was just kind of like kind of i think it maybe looked mangled i don't know uh but yeah like uh, that's 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 when it became real was the mugshot so at this point i wasn't getting raped or anything in jail i wasn't getting like touched and felt up or beat up by like people so uh it wasn't like too bad uh, i did get to ride in the back of a cop car Go to go to an arraignment hearing, which I got. They told me I was going to get out on like an honor system and that I wouldn't run away because I came and turned myself in, which was true. They kind of let me go, but it was like semantics. I had to be in cuffs, and I was just kind of like weird. It was it, it, because they were on my ankles, and uh, I don't think they gave me like the tall set, so I was just kind of hunched in this chair. It was really strange. Uh, so yeah, um, from that point. Uh, 
the arraignments led to, it was, I think $2,500 is a felony in, in, in Michigan. I think 2500 and uh, over is like grand larceny um, and can be charged as such, so it's a felony. Um, so it's at this point where I start hearing all of the charges, like all of the... Um, like what the actual things are I'm being charged with and how how much they can squeeze out of it, you know. Um, but the one was grand. So the count was grand larceny and the limit was twenty five hundred dollars. I pawned I pawned this thing for six hundred. So I think to get it back, it was six hundred dollars and they called it good. Like it was it was or maybe a little over six hundred, but it wasn't. It wasn't what the instrument was worth, but because it's what it was worth, um, let me let me look up. I will look up right now an up to date eBay price for this instrument so I can be semi accurate. Um, let's see. It was a Yamaha uh, professional bass clarinet. Let's try that. Watch this be flagged on my computer. Like I'm not allowed to search it anymore. Um, professional okay, so ten thousand dollars. So I essentially I pawned this this instrument for six hundred dollars that was worth ten thousand. I quadrupled the felony grand larceny uh limit um for for their statute of what is what is a felony and so that was kind of that was terrifying to hear because immediately you think oh shit if you quadruple anything anything that's already bad and you quadruple it that's like what what happens like you get the worst right triple that's where they draw the line. Kind of, they follow a three strikes, you're out thing. Quadruple, no. Like, they, that's one step over the line that you don't take. So, at this point, it starts to weigh in, like, ah, this might be serious. Uh, <laughs> we may be going away, you know. Luckily, first offense and nonviolent, even though I looked like I would commit a violent crime at the time, I do fully admit that I looked menacing. And I wasn't aware of this until recently-ish. Uh, but yeah, definitely definitely was told that I have a menacing demeanor at times. So this time, the judge, I get to stand up, uh, have my parents and I believe my grandma at the courthouse, which was nice. Uh, it, nothing, nothing really sells the, the, white, the white man in court image like having parents and the grandmother there. I have to say like a white uh, you you are showing that you are a white like child because you've got you've got two generations of family backing you up. Some people some people there don't even have like a dad, you know, so I'm some people some people there just don't and probably maybe don't have a dad. And so, uh, yeah, that's just that shows that's just more privilege for you, you know, as uh, the backup. But yeah, I got to hear, I got to receive my judgment. Um, because I was white, they gave me 18 months of probation. Uh, and so that felt good. Riding a high, um, getting out of, getting out with that. It felt good. It felt, it was like overwhelming. Like, thank God I'm not going to be behind bars at all, you know. Um, and so yeah, 18 months of, 18 months of probation. I had to pay, uh, like, I think the payment was $185 every paycheck. So essentially every paycheck I thought I was going to have was $200 short, uh, which was, I mean, it, it was depleting for a while. But, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, felt felt great. 18 months probation, right? Everyone could do that. And, yeah, I, you had to drug test. You had to alcohol test all the time. But uh, that, that – that, the the drug tests were easy to avoid and the alcohol te the, the alcohol tests were easy to pass like holy shit you could go get drunk the night before and not like trigger anything whatsoever they just i i saw guys that would go in 
and they would go in and blow uh like any sort of number and the the deputies would demean them they would call them dumb names and like just talk about how stupid they were to come like even come in and blow numbers they, they would tell them all the time it's better to go like not go in and say you missed it and say something that way than to say uh they like, go in and blow numbers like in front of them please and it's like you you came in here and you proved to us that you were drinking so um yeah those there there were there were a few of those guys of course but uh yeah those were easy to avoid for me i never got busted for an alcohol one um i did get busted for one weed one though and that one was really interesting because it was right after i had been uh put on probation so one of the questions the detective asked me was um like if I'd done any drugs, like if I had any in my system. And I mean, I, I just went down the list of everything I'd tried acid. Uh, so LSD weed, um, obviously I told them I drank, uh, at the time that's all I had done. So when I get put on probation, one of the, I had to go do uh, a drug test immediately. And so, um, they, they, they take my sample. And of course, Dude, it couldn't it couldn't have been any weirder at this place. It was uh, Jams and Pontiac, and there's a dude there that has like a messed up arm, and he he's bald, and I feel bad for him because I mean he, he just he he's doing what he's doing. Uh, on top of all this, but he has this tiny arm, and he would he he did the monitoring for the men's piss tests. So you'd go in, pay, you had to pay for each one. So you'd give them the money for the, the drug test. And this man would sit you down and then call your name. You'd stand up. He'd give you the cup. He'd go in and he would have to stand like right in front of you while you, you, know, you like took it out and they tried to pee. And if you weren't peeing quick enough for this man, he would make sure uh, to remind you that you only have three chances to pee at each uh, juncture in time. Uh, and I think you only have five minutes per attempt. So you can only you can max out the clock and then you have to retry at another time uh, 15 minutes later. So uh, I would always make sure to at least like be hydrated, sometimes overhydrated, which is also a failure if you give a diluted uh, test, which is crazy. You'd think they would have the technology to figure that out. But this was the first test after I had been sentenced to probation. I had just gotten the officers. This was my first time getting in the system. And this man with the little arm takes my sample after I'm done peeing in front of him. And uh, I... I I was not going to lie. You you have those things that cross your mind, uh, but you, you would never let them act out or act out on them at all. But you're like, man, what if he just went trying to try and like touch me with that little arm right now? You just think about it sometimes. Like what if he was a real creep? Like what if he acted as creepy as he looked and he just lunged at you and just tried to like flick you with his little tiny baby hand. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just something that crossed my mind a lot. Uh, when watching because I was like man this guy probably does some weird shit he's got to with an arm like that you wouldn't not do weird shit if you had a weird little arm like hanging off your body that's a strange appendage you're gonna play with it somehow some way so uh yeah anyway he takes the sample it gets ran I go about my days trying to learn how to do this whole thing and I get a call saying that I have violated my probation for the first time uh because I gave them a positive test and I was like Okay. Um, but I told, I told you it was there, you know, like I told, I told you guys that I had that in my system as of recently. Shouldn't that be uh, taken into account? Cause I just, I just got sentenced. Like how, how am I supposed to, supposed to do it? Like was, I think it was illegal at the time. No, I think it had just become legal. Yeah, it had just become legal. So, I mean, it wasn't a, a big deal that I even had it in my system. It wasn't like I was doing something illegal in the state. So, yeah, that's what made it so strange to me. Uh, so that was my first violation. But, um, wow, we are approaching one hour here in about 10 seconds, literally. So just like the new year, uh, 
how about we save the rest for another time and thank you all for listening and good night.